talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where we, in 2019, take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television show, The West Wing, from a leftist, more socialist perspective that is relevant to modern times. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And this week's episode is, I wrote on the note, <laughs> I wrote on the notes, Pancake My Balls for Breakfast. <laughs> but the, na- the name of the episode itself is like the Pancake Breakfast. Yes. Because um, they are planning a, excuse me, the name is the Leadership Breakfast. They are right. planning a breakfast where they get both the administration like in the high muckety-mucks of the Democratic Party together with the high muckety-mucks of the Republican Party and have a, it's like the, it's like 30 Rockets, a salute to bipartisanship. <laughs> yeah. Um, more specifically, I think it's meant to be the congressional leadership, which is the, the GOP Congress uh, meeting okay. with the White House leadership. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it's just, and it's going to be them for 90 minutes um, talking uh, although ultimately the episode really gives away that this is basically just a big publicity event, a big press event, um, because that's where the fighting really happens is to it's is for the press spin of this event and not so much what actually happens at it. Yeah, they the the prep for the breakfast itself um, skews much much more heavily towards the how it's going to be broadcast to the public than anything else and we find that out quite quickly because the entire fucking cold open is a throwaway joke about setting a fire in the west wing <laughs> and then talking about a seating chart right and the, the... intricacies of <laughs> and again it's it's all set up for a payoff that doesn't happen which is kind of a theme i'm going to come back to in this episode a couple more times because we don't even see the fucking leadership breakfast oh Man, and so I, I made a note at the very top of my, my thing here that this is the fourth lowest rated episode of this season, <laughs> which is unsurprising because it's really bad. This is yeah. a goddamn terrible episode yeah. of The West Wing. Not only does nothing happen, but nothing happens in a very boring fashion. <laughs> you know, and, and there, it, there can be nothing happens in a very fun way, and we've had a couple of those, uh, but this is a nothing happens and it's really boring to watch. Yeah, like, so, and it, again, it starts at the cold open being, like, who cares? Just we wasted about, time. Pure it's wasted literally time. wasting time. Because I think the um, the suggestion from the writers or whatever the show is, is that we should be impressed by the, like, the, the star power around this table and the, the sheer or, quantity of the or luminaries. Just, or just the planning of it itself, too, I think. Like, lo, look how organized they are. They plan all this in advance kind of thing. Like, but yes, but, also, like, yeah, oh, here the Speaker of the House is here and a majority whip is here and there is a lot of pop, pomp and circumstance, yes. Like, m- motherfuckers, my, my 91-year-old grandmother-in-law arranges more intricate secret seating charts for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> like, are we supposed to be excited by the fact that they have like, uh, what's it, place cards? Like, yeah. you're the fucking White House. Yeah, I mean, again, it's really just, and it's really long. A lot of these yeah. cold opens are, like, quick. Or, and if they're comedic, <laughs> at least, they, like, they hit their beat pretty quickly. But this one is just stretches out and out, and then, meanwhile, you have this stupid thing with Josh and Sam trying to light a fire in one of the fireplaces <laughs> that is actually closed up, and therefore, smoke alarm goes off, which wakes up the president. Uh, who is cranky? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's like, uh, hey guys, we need another president wake-up call joke, and here we <laughs> go, line it up and swing at that pitch. Oh, that's so easy. It's like the, the, <laughs> the it's like t-ball with the racket and the giant inflatable baseball. <laughs> like, so, yeah, we we are led to understand by this five goddamn wasted minutes of screen time that this breakfast is going to happen, and it's a thing. Right. Hooray. So then we get into the actual, uh, first off, special guest star, Felicity Huffman, shows up. <laughs> fresh off uh, Sports Night. 
Soon to be incarcerated, Felicity Huffman. Yay! <laughs> oh, looking at this show from a modern <laughs> perspective, indeed. Yes. Um, so, yeah, she shows up as the new chief of staff for the congressional Republican leader. Speaker of the House, I'm guessing? Yes, it, and yeah. I can't even remember his name. Like, who cares? Doesn't matter. Who cares? She's, his, yeah. she's his chief of staff, and she's coordinating with both CJ and the White House at large over the details of the breakfast. And this is where it comes back to what I was saying before about they're really focused about the press spin of this because then our next thing after the cold open is them going on for like another five minutes just about the exact wording that will be used in the press conference after the breakfast is done. Yeah, so they go with this, they do this semantic discussion of like what milk toast um neolib bullshit <laughs> name are we going to assign to these various like numbers fuckstein policy bills <laughs> like oh my goodness they're calling it the care associated like uh, you know responsible act, act instead yeah. of instead of the patient's bill of rights and right. apparently like wow that's a hell of a concession. That, that's the that ball they're... game like yeah. that's the fucking ball game right there we've lost already <laughs> if we lose the name <laughs> And it's it's just it's absolutely maddening because they are they're discussing whether to change the name of a piece of legislation like it is the piece of legislation. It's like like by by using right. the right combination of words in it, it will make it more right uh, more effective or have if more we called force. it the patient freedom freedom patriot act then it's gonna <laughs> pass both houses with flying colors you know yeah and or, or even even more so if we called it the patient's rights and responsibilities act it would like increase healthcare provider margins by right, but they're another... not even talking about the fucking details of the thing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh my gosh and then, then we, we go to the next scene where it's the president is like reviewing the rules or what the order of it is. First of all, raises a point of order about calling them rules instead of guidelines. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fucking Pirates of the Caribbean joke this in is a the West Wing episode. <laughs> yeah, like, this is the most technocratic and rules-obsessed of, like, the episodes we've, we've seen so far, I think. And then so he mentions that and then he doesn't even give a shit about it and is right. more concerned about the fact that he's serving Vermont maple syrup instead no, no. of Yes, you're sorry. Uh, uh, no, you're right. He wants New Hampshire maple syrup. Yes, because he's from New Hampshire. Right. And what first of all, what the fuck? And second of all, shut the fuck up, Mr. President. There is only one maple grandpa. Yes. And he and is he from the Vermont great state wilds. of Vermont, and whose maple <laughs> syrup should be the only syrup we all consume. <laughs> Amen. And then there's a there's this an additional comedy bit that is then introduced on the heels of like the president's thing, where um, apparently <laughs> Sam, being concerned about his exactitude and fucking lawyering every single goddamn bit of his life. The nerdiest Sam subplot possible, yes. Um, screwed something up with a, with a interview or a, a, when he was talking with a gossip columnist. Correct. Whose name in this show is Karen Cahill. Which and, is a, fu- a fun name to say. I'll give them credit. Absolutely. <laughs> and... For some reason, my wife tells me she is a. This is a surrogate or a replacement for Maureen Dowd. Explicitly, yeah. Explicitly, yeah. And I apparently in the show universe, this gossip, not gossip column. Excuse me, New York Times opinion writer <laughs> wields enough clout to really super concern. Yes. The entire senior administrative staff of the White House. Up to Leo. No shit. Yeah, like no shit. <laughs> Up to the fucking chief of staff himself. Yes. And uh, so this 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 slip of a tongue was regarding one of the former uh, socialist republics. Like he Sam thinks he said Kazakhstan, which is where nuclear weapons are or mm-hmm. could remain instead of Kyrgyzstan. Weapons. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, this will run through several interactions in the remainder right. of this episode. 
And it doesn't mean a single goddamn thing. It feels like a really, really lame attempt at, like, an Abbott and Costello bit. Oh, I said Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> I meant Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan. Ah! <laughs> like... <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it, but it's like, yes, that's that's almost exactly it. It's like, ha, what ha, up, well, what up, what up, those, you know, Near Eastern countries, they're all named the same, see? <laughs> like, and, that's, yeah, it just uh, feels like a cheap, like, wordplay joke, essentially. And then like, there's, ah. a, <laughs> there's a brief break-in where Leo is insisting that Josh go to dinner, and this is actually an interesting piece of trivia with... He refers to a couple named Ben and Sally and never elaborates what it Mm -hmm. is other than the fact that they have dinners where apparently Karen Cahill will be in attendance so he can talk to her. Sure. On and on and on. So my wife informs me. Thank you, Emma, that um, Ben and Sally are actually Ben Bradley and his third and last wife, Sally. Uh, Ben Bradley was the executive editor of the Washington Post that published uh, the Watergate takedown with uh, Woodward and Bernstein. Oh. He's just forever a, a media luminary, like just incredibly famous in the journalism field, all this stuff. And in real life, he and his wife would host dinner parties in their D.C. townhouse. For, for the press and for various For the press and for power brokers. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, that, that tracks pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, they have they definitely had enough DC insiders on staff at the West Wing to know these kind of yeah. <laughs> things and, and to work them into the episodes. Uh, yeah, this absolutely. <laughs> the entire rest of this episode is basically dedicated to the most convoluted, galaxy-brained, hangover slash like John Forbes Nash number crunching analysis of the media presentation, perception, and, like I, I guess, dissection of the putative pancake, like, leadership breakfast mm-hmm. that we don't actually ever see happen. Mm-hmm. We, we get into a, a visual of it both in the run-up to it and in the aftermath of it when the kind of, I guess, like, the press... The, the various press secretaries are duking it out. Right, this is the emotional climax of the episode, is is the aftermath of the breakfast and, and the press response to it. And it's very, like, you know, war room kind of situation where everyone's watching on TV nervously, you know, as it, as it unfolds in real time, and CJ is, you know, barking orders and, like, give me so-and-so, you know? Like, this is the, this is the climax, you know? This yeah. is... And, and it's boring as fuck. <laughs> I just... And it's the so in the in the discussion of what is going to happen at the breakfast, they're trying to lay out these terms of and this is the reason why Felicity Huffman guest stars because she is angling for inclusion of Republican talking points. And of right. course, theoretically the White House is angling via Toby for inclusion of Democratic talking points. Right. And everything just like I, I wrote a note here, it's like how many staff hours at, you know, government scale $174,000 a year are being lit on fire in this process just to determine like what a given representative of a given elected official will say on camera. It's just all this dick wavy garbage where right. uh, no a the audience for this is almost like assuredly entirely internal to Capitol Hill. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they're treating this thing like it's the importance of a state of the union when it's like a fucking once-a-year pancake breakfast that gets like a check mark off the box and is forgotten about by the next news cycle. But they're treating it like just as important as if, as if they were boning up for a big state of the union. And so the, the internal White House, like within the Bartlett administration, the conflict kind of comes down to Toby wants to utilize the breakfast and being in the room with who he described as the principals in the room. He says they're all in the same room and there are no cameras. Why can't we talk about like some serious minimum minimum wage and the patient's bill of rights are the two main things he wants discussed. And he actually describes the, like the dodge of trying to just make it a make it a purely social event with a, actually a pretty decent clip, which we'll include here. Let's not faff around. It's breakfast. I know, it's breakfast. We're not going to come up with solutions in 90 minutes. But we have the principals in a room with no cameras. The, the leaders of the land. <laughs> 
and not to talk about how we're going to approach the minimum wage, the patient's bill of rights, tax relief and education in the legislative session that's about to begin is a criminally negligent and cowardly refusal to do what we were all sent here to do. And this goes into him then fighting with Leo, wherein I just, I had the the Homer Simpson, like, talking to Ned Flanders about cider and juice <laughs> thing where, like, my brain floated backwards out of my head trying to trying to parse what Leo and Toby are fucking fighting over. Because right. it's just, it's completely, obs- it's completely obtuse. And they both are talking out of both sides of their mouth about the utility of communicating with the other side but also claiming that it is impossible to do anything with the other side. Right. And, oh, man, it's it's interesting because on the one hand, it's a time capsule thing of like, oh, my God, did we ever think we could work with Republicans? But on the other hand, no, it, that's not even a time capsule thing. We've never been able to work with Republicans. Like, And especially now, it's, it's almost this seems self-evident. Yes. So... To a degree, I understand that. Um, Which is Leo's argument, essentially. You know, Leo yeah. is the one who's actually being pragma- pragmatic and saying, Toby, you idiot, even if we argue for 90 minutes, no one's changing their minds. Uh, so, like, he's right in that regard. But then, you know, Leo essentially comes down on the side of saying, like, eh, this is what statesmanship is. We all just sit together and do a shitty compromise and no one no one gets what they want and that's what governing is. And so like no Leo you're wrong about that part. Yeah, because it's and it's like I can see the, the and frankly, you know, uh, Adam or Richard Schiff does a great job of setting the tone of the frustration because Toby's just like I want to do stuff. Right, wanna... like weren't we elected to govern, which yeah. I think he basically says in those if in not in clip, those words. Yeah. yeah. That's essentially what he's saying. He's like we were sent here to do this thing of governing. Shouldn't we try? <laughs> yeah. And so, so like, I'm really sympathetic to that argument, Toby. Well, and and it's it's frankly, it's it's a false choice that they set up between either yes. Toby's position of we're going to try and do this and try and beat out a compromise, or right. Leo's position where it's like, well, they're the enemy, so it's not even worth talking to them. Right. There Ironically, is a third, there is a like, third way <laughs> of, that, of fuck these people. Of tell them do what's the going to happen. leftist thing anyway yeah. and claim <laughs> yeah. the fucking victory. Yes. <laughs> like, Within the purview of your power, claim like, the victory. Uh, and to be clear here, we're talking about minimum wage and patients' rights, and they're squabbling over whether they want to raise minimum wage $2 over two years versus three years just tell them go fuck yourselves we're doing it in one year and the people are gonna love us like yeah and and we're gonna get the votes because the other drama in this conversation hinges around the fact that toby subtle not so subtly threatens felicity huffman's character whose name is ann Mm -hmm. toby threatens ann with this the the fact that they have the votes right to pass this bill Mm mm-hmm And And he says correctly, hey, we'll just attach it to everything you try to pass from now on and until you fucking pass it. And what can you do then? And she's like, oh, shit. We'll watch you reap the consequences in the press as we blast it all over. As you keep voting down minimum wage increases over and over and over again. Yeah. And and that brings up the the what is, I'm sure, considered to be the great kind of dramatic tension of the episode because during the actual press, after all of this fucking, you know, discussion and, and, and hammering out details of when, who gets to talk with the, the press conference, Mm -hmm. it comes down. The, um, Republican leadership is giving the press conference, like on the steps of the Capitol or something. And we see that Anne has fed a, like a, a politics reporter toby's threat the quote that he just said to her right um and they ask the republican guy Mm -hmm. and he gets the opportunity to basically go on the attack right to be like well that would be a really shitty move to do if the democrats were to do that you know like and to appear like decorum obsessed and and in the right you know yeah and so what's funny is they go into this with, and and it's just this extremely dramatic like slow zoom on CJ's face 
working out like what's going to happen. Oh my God, like incoming hostilities. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, oh, this thing happens. And then they, so they come to the realization that Toby kind of fucked them over by right. saying this to the chief of staff for Republican leadership. Right, that, that Huffman was more devious than Toby thought and was and was totally planning on using this against him. Yeah, and, and honestly, to be fair, breaking the confidence of their relationship, but, you know, there's the per- professional versus the personal relationship, right. which is very strange because <laughs> the lead-up to them spending a lot of face time together is s- extremely flirtatious. It's, yeah. It's uh, presented I'm going to go as... further and say it's sore and sexist, almost. Yeah. Uh, where where it's just like, oh, ho, Toby. You've worked with her before? Wink, wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's definitely a flirtatious energy. There's this cute thing she does with this can of syrup when they go to have their own little breakfast beforehand uh, to talk more about the actual breakfast, the titular breakfast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's all this like kind of cute, kind of flirty energy between them. And I guess this is supposed to imply that, like, Toby let his guard down because she distracted him with her feminine wiles, uh, which is why he let the threat loose, which then she was able to use against him. I kind of think that's what the implication is here. Like, Sorkin is saying that men cannot think when when the little head is getting the blood. And legitimately, it could, I mean, and regardless, you wouldn't even need to include that sort of garbage to be like, it's understood that Toby and this woman sure, have if they were just a, a cordial, right. friendly relationship. Yeah, that happened with Sam earlier with the tape, um, mm-hmm. with the attack ad, with just his male friend that we understand that straight Sam has no attraction for. But, you know, they had to do it just because, like, Felicity Hoffman's attractive or something. <sighs> it's yeah. weird. It's weird. So, so as soon as this like thing with Toby technically betraying the white house's strategy or whatever, and, and giving the Republicans a leg up about on mm-hmm, it. Like mm-hmm. we have Leo do this walk and talk explaining because I mean, f- fuck if I, like I needed a West wing whisperer to untangle what exactly they were upset about. Right. It like, turns out it's it, nothing. Yeah. Cause like, they are acting like this is a huge slam dunk win for the Republicans. When, as I mentioned, this is just going to get forgotten about in the very next news cycle. Like, oh, anyone remember that pancake uh, <laughs> breakfast press conference? But what are you talking about? That was two days ago. You know? Well, like, and, and so it also, like, I feel like they would say these things anyway. The, the Republicans would take right. this angle of attack anyway. Yeah, if not with Toby's exact quote, they would just do something, make up something, you know, or and yeah, and then the the culmination and the the dynamic, the energy and the the drive shot of just these uh, like extraordinary political operators taking the taking the reins of this happens when CJ and basic basically like the senior team do a little huddle up outside of Leo's office, and she says. Well, the piece has been disrupted all already, and they dig in on this with like a little spinny camera close-up thing. That's all. Ooh, yeah, you know, here's our play. What are we gonna do? Right. And then they just say, "Yeah, just attack the shit out of them and say something pithy." Right. And and so, why why did it take thirty five minutes of screen time to get to this? Why wasn't this the angle before fucking Felicity Huffman even sat down? Yeah. This, this just goes to show, and this is something I think we see on the left a lot, this, this strategy of, like, of pre-countering what the Republican narrative is going to be. And, you know, like, oh, but if we, if we can structure it in just such a perfect way, then the, then the right can't possibly attack us about it. No, they're going to attack us about everything in all ways possible to them. You know, they will never stop attacking the left. That's what they do. So... Since this episode is so obsessed with bipartisan compromise, if only for them to get screwed in the end, they kind of learn this lesson, ultimately. Well, yeah, and then, you know, it's it's meant to be like a, wow, you know, great job, we figured out the way to, to get back right. at this stuff. it's and just to do attack them from the get-go. Yeah, and so so where was where was this thinking? And if you're such fucking brilliant political operators, other than, you know, I guess the, the breach of Toby's trust, right? you know... Where was this thought at the outset, and also why weren't you, why weren't you leveraging this from the beginning? You, well, the, you should be utilizing the breakfast 
to pursue your agenda. Right, to get to gain every advantage you possibly can while you have the halls of power, absolutely. It's it's this obsession with with wanting to be friends with a reasonable Republican. But then it turns out that the re- reasonable Republican backstabbed them at the very first opportunity she got. And I just feel like we see this and all the time. And it's Lucy in the football with and Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, they just they keep going back. They're, they're always pulling the football away. And <laughs> we saw it as, I think, just a perfect example with Josh's gay friend where he's mm-hmm. like, I can talk with this guy and we have a bunch of reasonable beliefs in common. And in the end, the thing that is politically powerful, he does for his side anyway. Like, right. full stop, no, no leverage gained, nothing happened. But right. hey, hey, at least we engaged in some, some back and forthery. Right. About. It's like it's like when Obama watered down the ACA to try to make Republicans vote for it, and literally none of them voted for it. You know, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's you exactly it's that kind happen. of situation. And that that sort of naivete, I think, is 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 the central problem that is both endemic to this show and that this show continued to propagate as a brain worm for a new generation of political operatives. Because let's be clear. If you came up watching this show and you are now operating professionally in in the political sphere, let's say you're between the ages of like 29 and 45, mm-hmm. maybe all yeah, of these all the people, all the Obama boys, all the Pod Save Bros, all of them fucking mainline this shit, and it is their foundation for how they think politics works. And and frankly, they had plenty. They had ample opportunity to learn otherwise. In, re- were in they, the real world. In yeah. the real world. Yes. E- exactly. Or were they paying attention to how things worked at the tail end of the Clinton administration, at the beginning no, of the Bush just, administration? they wanted it to be like West Wing, so they made it like West Wing. You yeah, know? which actually, I mean, that's an, a really super interesting point because, frankly, this is how that, um, uh, I, and frankly, at this point in history, it's a good thing it does, is this is how the status quo perpetuates itself. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier that, oh, heck, you know, we can we can dabble on the margins, but this giant, giant bureaucratic machine pretty much works by itself. Yeah, it's, it's run itself at this point, the empire, for the most part, you know? Trump's in charge, it's still running, you know, people still go to work, social security checks still get mailed out, you know, like... It, it all basically runs itself. You can mess around in the margins. You can twist some of the dials and move some of the levers, but it, empire going to empire, you know, until until we radically change the structure of yeah. of our systems. And and I think the like the kind of the between the the two sides, if if you will, the the Democratic Party is unwilling to dig in in the way that the Republican Party is because they are right. the ones who push substantive changes all right. the Right, the Republicans understand that when you have political power, you use it to to improve, you know, to improve, if not your base, at least, you know, your donors, uh, yeah. which, and you yourself. know, for the Republicans, <laughs> the donors and their base connect a lot more <laughs> on, like, you know, terrible shit that's going to screw up the country. They're all for that. On the Democrats' side, there's a big split here, and that's why the 2020 primary is going to be such a reckoning. Uh, yeah. But we'll get into that uh, in a couple, <laughs> a couple segments, just for a couple minutes here. Um, but yeah, this has been good. Uh, let me t- let's take a quick break here, and then we'll dig into this a little bit more, as well as a couple other there's, subplots. There's there's some really gross subplots that we're going <laughs> to go yeah. after right here. There are a couple of other really minor subplots throughout the episode. Very the minor. first of which, yeah, the first of which, again, will be completely forgotten about and never touched upon again. But for some fucking reason, Sam Seaborn wants to free up some office space in, in the, the West, West Wing. Wing. Yes, by moving the press briefing room to the OEOB, which for those of you who are not super cool. <laughs> political operators stands for old executive office building which is basically across the street from the white house i love that old is part of the acronym that's yeah. that's great to me <laughs> that's the old building this is the new one uh but yeah and then cj of course rightfully goes like uh what the fuck no we're yeah. not doing that are you insane and sam's like mm, no i kind of think we should do it still 
Uh, and yeah. so he tells Josh to put a, a question into the poll that they're doing, because they do constant polling, because they're the Clinton White House, uh, about would the American uh, public care if the press got moved across the street or not. Uh, and so Josh throws it into the poll, and the pollster calls, and in their sample of people that they call, they call a White House reporter who fi- who finds out about this proposed change and calls up CJ, pissed off to hell and back, uh, when CJ was like, uh, I told you we were not doing this in the first place. Yeah, and so you watch them work it out, you watch Sam work it out in real time being like, yeah, but the the the, the, what are the odds? know about it like <laughs> unless unless oh my god journalists are people <laughs> and and pollsters call people holy shit and uh, <laughs> it's just why what the fuck is the fucking point? It's I like d- just comedy, just pure comedy, but it's not funny. Like it's just not funny. And and it I think like. It gives CJ some more stress as, like, a dramatic element. Sure. To kind of build her up for the emotional climax a bit, because this kind of happens through the midway point um, before our big our big press moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, d- uh, like but, again, uh, just a recurring theme of this episode, wasted time. You know? This is all just wasted time that could have been and, better used talking about the minimum wage, for fuck's <laughs> sake. They, they do, like, Sam also... He rebuts CJ's assertion that they're not trying to hide things from the press. He literally says, "But we are trying to hide things from." The press. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thanks. This is another tear the mask off moment, like in right. the microcosm here. And there is another. I think this does set the tension up for, and I, because I do want to include this clip. Um, there's a, a confrontation when CJ figures out that Toby fucked her. Um, there's a clip where she says, Why? Because there'll be a fight. Yes. Toby. There should be a fight. We disagree on something important and immediate. Which means there should be a compromise. Which isn't going to happen by posing for a picture. It isn't going to happen eating pancakes either, Toby. So let him tell dirty jokes for 90 minutes, shake hands, and start to hear. And basically it's, yeah, Toby wants it to be a fight. And CJ wants it to be a compromise out the gate. Mm-hmm. Which, which fucking sucks. Right. And we see where that has gotten us. Right. Um, yeah. It's For once, CJ has the wrong take. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- sorry, CJ. Uh, we're yeah, going to have to drag you. We love you, you but... We love you, but we're going to have to drag you a little for this one. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the idea of pre-compromising your position from the get-go is just shooting yourself in the foot on, <laughs> on, in so many ways. Uh, and we've seen it again and again with the ACA and... With, you know, 15 an hour, oops, now it's 12 an hour, oh, by the time it gets past, it's more like 9.50 an hour, you know? It's, Gosh, that's, it, just, that's just politics in action. Yeah, Leo, Leo says something along the lines of, like, that's, that's what bipartisanship is, uh, and it's like, well, yeah, and that's why it sucks, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we cool. shouldn't do it no more. Cool. One one side of that partisanship needs to like tool the fuck up and start and start shooting in yeah. the streets. Find like, your stones. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, like no shit. Um. So then, yeah, uh, that. Do, do, do. Okay. Another... <laughs> so then, you want to go into the Donna bit or? So I will. I will spend forty five seconds talking about this. <laughs> the Karen Cahill subplot that we mentioned earlier. So after after Sam has his whole... So Sam goes there initially to apologize for something Leo did, I think. Yeah. And so... And then he has his Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan, Abbott and Costello moment. And so to apologize for that, Sam sends Donna. uh, And then Donna comes back saying, Oh, yeah, I apologized. It all went over great. And then... (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, this is so fucking... uh... So there's a scene where middle of nowhere, a, a courier envelope shows up and Donna's like, hey, this this arrived for you, Josh. It's addressed to Josh. And they like joke about it for a little while. And then Josh pulls a pair of panties out of this envelope and says, hey, Donna, like, is this your underwear? And the joke is that Donna is so overworked that she wore the same pair of pants multiple days in a row, but, you know, changed her underwear because... You know, you got to be sanitary. Um, <laughs> and 
the underwear fell out of her pants in the women's restroom in front of Karen Cahill, who sent this envelope to Josh. And I, I, I just like, I don't, why? Yeah, it's a great question. Fucking, like, I, and this was seriously one of the most cringeworthy times I've ever experienced with this fucking show, where it's, this is the least, this is the least positive depiction of ostensibly your female characters. Like, you are using them as a cheap throwaway prop to score points with a journalist that we never meet and does not ever matter, but I guarantee that everyone will have indelibly stamped on their memories. Oh, Don Tana's panties, man. Like, uh, (laughs) it's just like, it's just the crudest, like most 12 year old joke of like underwear. Like, it's like, this is supposed to be the grown up political show for smart people. And who, who as a, let's, let's call Josh 40. Like, who is a 40-year-old man thinks this is funny? Like, right. it's, I, or or could be, could be used as... Like, I would just I be confused. Know. I would just be like, I'd what in the like, world? Uh, okay. Why is there underwear um, in here? She is a very weird person for sending underwear. Yeah, and also just like... Like, this is, uh, this is supposed to be some gotcha. Like, yeah, the, oh, exactly. the gossip, col- like the gossip columnist found out that... You wear underwear. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, breaking, breaking. You know, uh, like, oh, uh, God. And it's, it's the so fucking weird. worst. So anyway, we, we need to stop talking about it. Yeah, the last, yeah. <laughs> th- this, this actually does segue into the last thing where mm-hmm. um, there is a pretty good deadpan bit with the president where Charlie, Charlie goes in and talks to President Bartlett as he's like closing up shop for the evening in the Oval Office. And Charlie's like, hey, I'm I'm here to tell you that it's okay that Josh was holding a pair of Donna's panties because of this journalist thing, and the president just takes a very nice like two and a half second pause to stare at him in disbelief, and it's like, you you could have never told me that, and I would have been happy. <laughs> yeah, and, Martin Sheen does does really Martin and Dule Hill have a, a great yeah. chemistry between and, them, and that actually made me laugh. Ty- it was for these types yeah. of moments. Yeah, there are a couple yucks. In this episode, there was one early on, not with the fire, but with something else that made me giggle. Uh, and this is probably uh, one of the only decent entertaining moments in this, what is supposed to be an entertainment product. So it, it leads into, um, Leo then comes in after they, they hammer out the, the perception of the presidential right. panties. So after, <laughs> after all of this nothing, we get like a two minute wrap up here that is, has more something in it than the whole rest of the episode. Yeah, and so after Charlie, like, leaves, Leo comes in and says, hey, Toby wants to see you, and this is actually, like, this is pretty, I I guess, pretty brutal, because the president is like, no, I'm going to bed. Right. I'm not going to talk to Toby. And so, Toby, you get a shot of Toby witnessing the president walk outside of the Oval Office towards the residence. Right, Toby's in the doghouse. Yeah, after he's asked for time with him. Yeah, exactly. So then they go in and they talk and Leo and Toby talk about being like wartime conciliary is the phrase they use. It's like, uh, 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 get over and, yourself. And, yeah. And, and Leo's like, oh, I just hoped peacetime would last a little longer this time or something. It's like, oh, my God. Motherfucker, you're not even in a war. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. A, don't invoke that metaphor. <laughs> B, why are you even in politics? If you're not fighting, right. what the fuck? No, I just, I wanted the part where we just govern without fighting at all, you know? And so, That's the implication. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of reflective and okay, fine, you know, Toby has his idealism, he's a crusader, we get that, we get that, we get mm-hmm, that. Definitely. And then there's this awkward moment at the end of it where Leo stands up and says, hey, Toby, shake my hand, we just did it, we formed the committee to re-elect the president. Oh, oh! We did that just now, huh? Uh, did did we? Cool, I guess. Like, uh, all right, because because we have to involve him in in messaging fights with the opposition party. We've decided that like it now. It's I I just don't I don't understand. I don't get I don't why this is why the it's thing. so significant. Yeah. Why is yeah. this the bit? 
I don't get it either. Or, like, you know, surely this would have just come at some point on, like, doesn't this ha actually happen on, like, day one of a presidency? Is like they f start forming the the reelection yeah. committee for the next for the next Cer election. <laughs> certainly start fundraising. And yeah, like, this is this is extremely a a a and to be perfectly fair, it is to type of Bartlett being like a classic scholar because every fucking politician thinks they're gonna be Cincinnatus. They're gonna show up. They're gonna fix the republic, and then after one term as consul or whatever he was, they're gonna go back to their farm and retire. Right. right. And. Like, it's just, it's this huge, like, not a stereotype, but just this sort of ideal that people, yes, can identify with. And it's this great man right. philosophy. Who was able but, to do it, do it all quickly. But we also, <laughs> we also just fucking spent an entire goddamn episode talking about, like, well, we can't have this breakfast with a press conference afterwards, the thing is like, how noble is that? That is your day to day. Right. This is this would be embarrassing if you were a, a quote unquote great man. Like, are you fucking right. kidding? This is, yeah, this is what your day to day is doing. You're not resh <laughs> you're not reshaping the world. You're not you know like you're not you're, doing you're not anything. <laughs> and and even like in the American idiom, like you're not creating the WPA. You right. Know, you're, you're not, not creating mobilizing. jobs. Yeah. You're not. You know, you're just, you, he has a hands-off, like, laissez-faire attitude towards the economy, gets lucky with, like, a dot-com boom, and then gets to crow about creating jobs, just like Clinton, you know? It's, and it's awkwardly written, and John Spencer does his best, but it's just like, wow, we're, we're supposed to be, like, really feeling the gravitas. Right, it's supposed here. to be a big, important moment, but it doesn't feel that way at all, despite how much Ugh. they try to get... Whereas, like, something like the Let Bartlett Be Bartlett moment did feel that way. Even if they end up squandering the momentum of that scene, it had that momentum. Like, because that narrative was... momentum and, like, that actor momentum of, like, you felt it. You felt like the people were really, like, into that moment. This does not have that at all. Yeah, you had, you had the thrust of these people's experiences all building towards that point. And now it's just like, oh, cool, man. Let's let's reelect the president. Yeah, and it just comes because out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. we, we definitely weren't planning on doing that originally. Right. For reasons. It, and that's the other thing. Like, even this is post them. F Wait, no, no. D uh, Toby doesn't know about the MS yet, does he? I forgot. We haven't gotten Ooh, to there yet. That's a good. No, that's a good question. This is pre-MS, so yes, it is. So in Toby's mind, this should have been a foregone conclusion. Of course, he was going to run for two terms. Like, why wouldn't he? Leo does know about the MS, so Leo. It does make more sense that Leo is the one saying, like, "Hey, he's going to have to run again," and that's actually a decision. But in Toby's mind, it feels like that should have been a foregone conclusion. And so, yeah. I guess from a from a continuity of the awareness of the circumstances that the show is operating within, cool. Like, sure, we, we we can understand how Leo's thought process is different from Toby's. But this is again, this is giving your audience just an extreme amount of credit. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's and that's with hindsight. And that's with me knowing where the future of the show goes. Yes. If you're a fresh watcher, you have no idea about you know any of that. Yeah. So it just ends on this bizarro thing that is supposed to be weighted and serious, but it's like, oh, okay, see you next week. Right. Ultimately <laughs> pointless and meaningless. Absolutely. Uh, um, this was the this was the fucking. I was I was probably the angriest I've been watching <laughs> this episode when I was I, done because I, I agree shit. with your brain floated out of my head thing. Like <laughs> I, after a certain point, I just kind of checked out. And I was noticing the events happening, and I turn on closed caption when I watch it just to get, make sure I'm getting all the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I was, so I was reading the words, and they were entering my brain, but then they were flowing right back out again <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to do a couple more minutes of election coverage uh, updates, and then we'll uh, close out this particular episode of The Worst Wing. Do, 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 do. Give me a, like a little news intro music here <laughs> when we cut this together. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. This is your election news update, update, update. Um, where we take a look at the current state of, yes, that's right, the 2020 election here in April 24th of 2019. Uh, recently on, 
what was it, on the 22nd was the town halls? I don't know. A day or two ago, CNN did five hour-long town halls back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back featuring first Amy Klobuchar, uh, second off um, Elizabeth Warren, third off our our main man Bernardo Sanders, uh, fourth off Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, I'm never quite sure. Kamala, it's fine. I think. And fifth off, uh, plucky little Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Um, and so, I'm not going to go through the, all of them, but I do have to give a special <laughs> Jeb uh, Award of Excellence to Amy Klobuchar Hooray! for the first to go, the first candidate to go full Jeb and ask for clapping. And we'll, we'll cut the clip in right here. And every single time I have run, I have won every single congressional district in my state, including Michelle Bachman's. Okay, that's when you guys are supposed to cheer. (laughs) Please clap. (laughs) Please clap. Remember, folks, if you're ever running for politics and an applause line doesn't land, don't ask for applause. (laughs) Just move on. The the defining moment. This has been friendly advice from the Worst Wing podcast. <laughs> um, overall, personally, I thought Warren did very well. Uh, she dropped her big student loan debt forgiveness policy and went into more details about it during her hour, uh, and it was responded to extremely well from the crowd. Uh, let's talk about the crowd for a moment. Uh, so this was held in New Hampshire, but uh, a lot of the crowd were Harvard students because it was a partnership with Harvard and they had rights to, uh, to free tickets or something like that. So a lot of these little uh, <laughs> rich, well-off Ivy League kids asked some of the most disingenuously framed questions I have ever heard the, the in a hit, town hall. The hit on Berno with the, my parents fled Soviet Russia, so why do you think we would vote for socialist policies in the United States? Was oh my so God. egregious as to defy belief. You could not have like planted and disingenuous an audience member harder. Like it was perfection. Yeah, and who like thankfully he gave a great smirk to it it's an all-time <laughs> top tier bernie smirk moment yeah uh as well as he gave a fine answer which is you know hey i'm not talking about communism we're talking about democratic socialism or whatever the fuck you want to call it but medicare for all is not bringing in the bread lines and medicare uh, for all is not like eliminating the kulaks like Right. We're, we're not going to... We're not. We're saving people, actually. It's the opposite. It, it, like, have you looked at the current state of America and what we can do to fix things? Well, gosh, you know, if, if you're not on board with that, then, you know, call me Joe Stalin, I guess. <laughs> this just ultimately proves that liberals hate socialists more than they hate fascists. Oh, they're, uh, they're, so, they're 100% going to... Fa- Fox News gave him a much more kind reception, and they were trying to take him down. Uh, well, CNN is supposed to be impartial, and, uh, and they give these fucking bootlickers the the planted questions uh, and, and to fucking tee off against Bernie. And this has been something that is legitimately pissing me off, and not a lot of things like that the that libs do. Like I have a friend on Facebook who, for now, will remain nameless, but basically he uses the words like when we describe these media events that Bernie went on a Fox news town. So the, the, the valueless statement is Bernie Sanders gave a town hall interview on Fox news, Mm -hmm. but everybody twists this into motherfucking Bernie loves Fox news and he goes on Fox news and he wants to kiss Fox news. And it's just (laughs) like, are like, are, are you listening to yourself? Here, right. just we we all talk about being above the fray, and you know taking academic views of things. But it's immediately apparent if you consider either uh, like the language invoked or the power balance between these things that it is it is imbuing values where there should be none. Like right. yes. There's no, there's no such thing as objectivity, and anyone who claims that they are the truly objective one is just advocate, advocating for the status quo. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that's you know, what all this is. We're all biased, we're all biased, and just, I want you to admit your bias, and then we can have an open and honest argument. I don't want you to sit there and claim to, you're that 
you're the smug, objective one who's above it all and can see the truth. And you know, frankly, in in that regard, if you are a if you are a staffer for a certain campaign or whatever, and you make your opinions and thoughts, uh, like if if you broadcast those and embrace them. Honestly, you could be like you could be running fucking Beto's campaign, and as long as you qualify them as being like these are my beliefs and things and whatever, I have more respect for you than somebody who's trying right. to float above the fray and say, "Oh well, right. you know." I have a I have a ton more respect for someone who's diehard all in for Kamala Harris than I do anyone who's waffling around with, "Well, I want to see which one is the objectively best candidate before I make my decision." And also, like, who try and frame their talking points from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's garbage. Like, either, and this is this will tie nicely back to the show as we wrap up here, either have the courage of your convictions and embrace your beliefs and try to change the world to reflect them, or fuck off. Just Or get out of the yeah, way. Just yeah, just fuck off. Like, yeah. don't, and you know what? There, it's, then you could just be a nice observer from the sidelines, exactly. quietly. And you know what? We you know? we always say that nothing, that everything is political. Like nothing is apolitical. If you're gonna go that road, go ahead and be apolitical. Like if you right. if you can't commit in that regard, don't to things totally you believe, disengage from politics. Yeah, just yeah. go ahead. Yeah, like, we give ya. you permission. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then uh, the only other thing I want to mention, we don't even have to spend time on this, is that in theory, Joe Biden is officially announcing tomorrow yep. with a video announcement on April 25th, uh, and then we'll be following it up next Monday with an actual announcement announcement, where, where I assume he will take press questions, uh, at which point the great decline of the Joe Biden campaign will begin, <laughs> and we will be here on our seats, on the edge of our seats in real time, to watch the great unmaking of a man. Starting off on a cowardly and a, foot, and a, and, and, a, and a career and a legacy. A cowardly foot, and going downhill from there. Yeah, uh, there's a former Biden staffer who was quoted saying uh, the, the day he announces is the, is the best day he's going to have, uh, <laughs> and I firmly believe that. It's all downhill from day one for Joe Biden. Joe, Joe Biden's campaign as boat ownership. The two best days are the day you buy your boat <laughs> and the day you sell your boat. <laughs> the day he starts the campaign the and the he day he ends it. the campaign. <laughs> uh, he's going to feel such relief on that day. Okay. All right, so yeah, I think that wraps up this particular episode. Uh, thank you always for joining us. Uh, we can you can reach the show uh, through our C-SPAM forum thread. Drop us a comment; we always appreciate them. Uh, if you found us on SoundCloud or a different method, hello, welcome, and you can email us at thewarswing69 at gmail.com. Nice, nice. Uh, and then our next episode is going to be entitled "The Drop In." Mm. Um, this is the one where, uh, da, 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 hardcore environmentalists and eco-terrorists. Ooh. Oh, topical. Uh, very topical. Exciting. <laughs> In 2019. Um, so that's, that's based off the little intro I read off the West Wing wiki. So we'll see, uh, more details next week. But, um, until then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then. I'll send all the money Bye-bye. you ask for, but don't ask me to come on.